Okay. All right, let's talk Parshas Balok. Parshas Balok over here is a very exciting Parsha. You know, there's a famous story. They say there was a rabbi who, um, he didn't really have so much to say. He was a very, very good speaker. He was, people enjoyed listening to him, but he really, the only Parsha that he had a good sermon about, the good Russia, was Parshas Kairach. So, so, well, you know this joke. So, um, you know, one time he came somewhere and um, yes. he, uh, he, he was coming to a Sheva Brachas. He came to a shul. He was speaking for something else. Every time he would come up with a different reason why he should be able to talk about Parshas Kairach. <clears throat> and one time he came into some event with a dog next to him. And he starts speaking like his introductory remarks. And all of a sudden the, bo- the dog almost as, as if it was on cue, started barking and barking and barking. So the Rav says to the dog, you're barking so much, you should be swallowed up like Kairach was swallowed up. You know what? He says to the crowd, once we mentioned Kairach, so let's say, let me, let me say something about Kairach. And that was how everything, <laughs> that was one of his, his ways that he would get into, uh, you know, when he was speaking at a Shavah he would say Kairach. Was machloikas a fight between Karach and Moshe? Fighting is terrible between husband and wife. It's terrible. We can't have. You know what? Karach. Let's talk about Karach. So there was a big chesidish rebbe by the name of the Oyev Yisrael. The Oyev Yisrael's name is Avram Yeshua Heschel of Apto. Actually, my brother-in-law is named after that rebbe. He was one of the big rebbes back in Europe, and he was. He was. He was a big Oyev Yisrael. He loved Yidin. Hence, the Sefer is called Oyev Yisrael. And hence, he was known as the Oyev Yisrael. Great. Steve, great to see you. Hi. So, um, once we're talking, let, let me tell you what happened with the Oyev Yisrael. One week of Parshas Bolok. Every week and every time he would talk to his Hasidim, he would mention, Abbas Yisrael, you have to love your fellow Jew, you have to love your fellow Jew, etc. So Parsha's Balak came. Balak is filled with the blessings or curses that Balak, Bilam, was trying to curse B'nai Yisrael. And at the end of the Parsha, there is a tragic incident with the women of Moyov that Kalal Yisrael was having znus uh, with them and, and un, un, uh, um, prohibited relations. They were serving idols. It was terrible. And then the Zimri, Zimri, who was a Nasi in Kalal Yisrael, was killed by Pinchas. So they said to him, how do you see in Parshas Balak, Avas Yisrael? You see that you say that everywhere is a way that you could get to Avas Yisrael to love your fellow Jews. Sally, great to see you. So how do you see in Parshas Balak, Avas Yisrael? So this is what, this is what the Nays, this is what um, the, the Oye of Yisrael said. He said, Maybe. says in um, the, the well, Parsha's Balak. What's the name of the Parsha? The name of the Parsha is Balak Bez Lamid Kuf. So what does that stand for? The Vase of Balak is Ve'ohavta. The Lamid of, of Balak is for Lere'acha. And the Kuf stands for Kamaycha. You should love your fellow Jew like yourself. So you're asking me, where do I see in Parshas Balak, Avas Yisrael, to love a fellow Jew? It's right there in the name of the Parsha of Balak, Ve'ahavta, 
love a fellow Jew like yourself. Now I don't have the I don't have a whiteboard behind me, but the way you spell the Ohafta you shall love your fellow Jew like yourself, is actually with a vav for the not a vase. It's a lamid, but kamaicha is with a kuf, not with a kuf, the way balak is spelled. So the Hasidim looked at the, the eye of Yisrael and they said, what are you talking about? The Ahafta is with a vav, not a base. Kamaicha is with a kuf, not a kuf. And the Rebbe looked at them and he said, and fatzvei oisiyiz vete, you're not going to, you're going to give up your avas Yisrael because of two letters, you're going to give up your love for a fellow Jew? Bottom line is, if you want to see it, you'll find it. It's not a matter of, is it clear or is it 100% true that there's Avas Yisrael? Listen to this phenomenal, oh, before that phenomenal story, let me tell you like this. <clears throat> That's how we get to Vahavta but the truth of the matter is that really this time period that we're about to enter starting on Sunday is... This, this Sunday is Shiva Asr Tammuz, the 17th of Tammuz, which is the fast day, the beginning of what we call the three weeks between, it's called Bein HaMitzarim, between the straits of the 17th of Tammuz and Tishabav, the 9th of Av, which is the saddest day of the year because not only do we lose the Beis HaMikdash, the first and the second temple, but really all tragedies that befall the Jewish nation and the world in reality is a result, direct result of that tragedy of the Beis Amikdash, the temple being destroyed. Now, why was the second temple destroyed? Because of sinas chinam, because of unwarranted hatred. Okay, here's a here's a quiz, guys. Pop quiz. <laughs> what is the opposite of sinas chinam? Love thy neighbor as yourself. Good, but so give me, give me a good, okay, good. Okay, you basically, you took away my thunder over here in the sense <laughs> that you, you answered what I was hoping people, someone would say, is that the opposite of sinas chinam, many people think, is, and you could nod if this is what you were going to say, is ahavas chinam, right? Sinas chinam means, sinas chinam, unwarranted hatred, and ahavas chinam means unwarranted love and my father i heard my father say many times that 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 expression itself people don't mean people don't understand what they're saying but the expression of ahavas chinam is a hundred percent wrong we're not expected to have ahavas chinam absolutely not why because what does it mean sinas chinam Sinas chinam means unwarranted hatred. So that means that avas chinam means unwarranted love. It's not unwarranted to love your fellow Jew. Absolutely not. There's a good reason to love him. Avas Yisrael, like you said, Steve, is the Pasuk tells us, love your fellow Jew like yourself. That itself is a good reason to love him. He's a Jew. He's part of you. He's part of. He's a. He's another person that has a tzelam aleikim. Every human being has a tzelam aleikim. You gotta love him. So it's not avas chinam unwarranted. That's not the opposite. The opposite is avas yisrael. Like you said, 
because every Jew deserves to be loved like he's your brother because he is your brother, like we say every time. So when we talk about Shiva Asr Thomas, when we talk about Parshas Balak with the Ay of Yisrael's being in there, it's not something that's extra credit on a test. It's not something that's avas chinam, that's unwarranted. There's no good reason to love him, but to love him anyways. No, there's no good reason to hate him. So don't hate him. Love him because there's a good reason to love him. Listen to this phenomenal story. Unbelievable story. It was a Yid by the name of Rabdoiv Lichtberg. Rabdoiv Lichtberg went through the Holocaust. And before the Holocaust, he was a chash of a person. He was a Talmud Chacham. He was well-learned. He had a parnasa. He had a job and everything that he needed. He had a respectable living and everything like that. Now the Holocaust came. He went through a very special summer camp known as the concentration camps where he learned a lot. He learned a lot and he became a greater and stronger person. But at the end of the day, after he came out, he didn't really have much to show. He didn't have a good job. He didn't have parnas. He didn't have anything. And Reb Doiv Lichtberg came to Eretz Yisrael. Um, no, I'm sorry. He ended up in Paris. He ended up in Paris. But the problem was that in Paris, they speak a language that's known as French. And Reb Doiv did not know one word of French. So how was he going to be able to get any kind of position? Reb Doiv really was lost. And he had not, no way to support himself and his family. He didn't know what to do. But luckily for him, he met a Yid by the name of Reb Godel Eisner. <coughs> Reb Godel Eisner was a mashkiach later on in the yeshiva Svas Emes in Tel Aviv. But Reb Godel Eisner, I believe he also went through the Holocaust, and he was there, and he, met, you know, he made an acquaintance. He acquainted himself with Reb Doiv Lichtberg, and Reb Doiv confided in him that he needed a job, he needed some way to support his family. Now, it seemed like Reb Godel Eisner read between the lines and understood that Reb Doiv Lichtberg was not only looking for a job, it would be difficult for him to get a job that was not, I guess, honorable for him. Not in the sense that he's not willing to do anything to support his family, but at the end of the day, he was a respectable person, a Torah scholar. For him now to go and do a job that could be seen as a demeaning job would be very difficult for him. He would take it if he had to, but it would be difficult for him. If Godel Eisner decided he's going to find a job, he's going to find something for Dov Lichtberg to do. And he finally found something across town. He comes to Reb Godel, he comes back to Reb Dov, And he says, Reb Dov, I have a job for you. I found a job for you. Now, the problem was like this. The job that Reb Godel found was the job of being a shamus and a shul. Now, this particular job description was not only to be the shamus of putting the sidurim away and putting the chumashim away and straightening up the shul, it also included cleaning different areas of the shul, like the bathrooms and other things like that. But at the end of the day, Reb Godel knew that Reb Dov Lichtberg needed a job and he'll take it. So this is what he did. Reb Godel Eisner, who, again, he became a mashkiach later on. He was a, a very, 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 very big tzaddik and a chashviyid. He went over to Reb Godel, to Reb Dov, and he says to him, I found you a job. This job is in a shul on the other side of town. But this is what they want. They want a rov. They want a rov, a tamad chacham. 
But I'll tell you an interesting thing. They have other people that are passing for them. They want a Rav that's going to be the Rav as a figurehead. Not as a figurehead just with the nice white beard. But someone that could be viewed as, as a, 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 an example of what a Talmud Chacham is. Of how a person davens. Of how a person learns. And that's how you'll fulfill your job, your, your duties as a Rav, is by just being you, of acting the way you act. That's what kind of position they have over here. And Abdoiv Lichtberg was very excited because that's a very respectable position. It's a Rav. He can learn. He'll be able to support his family. And all will be good. So now what? What's going to happen after a few days on the job when the toilet is not cleaned and the chairs are not being set up? Well, Reb Godel resolved that. How did he resolve that? Reb Godel himself, the great Reb Godel Eisner, would go to that shul every day or every week, whatever it was, and he would clean the shul. He would tidy up the chairs and the tables, clean up the tissues, Roll the Sifrei Torah for Yom Tif, it had to be rolled, although I guess that's the Gavai's job or whatever it is. He would do whatever it was that had to be done. And that's how Reb Gadol Eisner got Reb Doiv Lichtberg a job, but also saved his, his, his uh, prestige and his pride. Beautiful. That's Chesed, that's Avas Yisrael. Not just to find you a job, but to find you a job with you feeling on top of the world. But that's not the end of the story. There was a one little addendum to this story. <laughs> this went on for a number of months. That Rabdov Lichtberg is the Rav. And Rav Godel Eisner is basically, un- unbeknownst to anyone else, he's doing the job that Rabdov is supposed to be doing. And Rav Do- Godel tried, because he had to keep up the charade, Rav Godel Eisner made sure that Rabdov Lichtberg and the Gabai of the shul who had officially hired him didn't really interact so frequently. He kept trying to keep them away and like just, you know, basically make sure that they don't schmooze because then the whole thing is going to fall down. Anyways, one time right after davening, the gabai of the shul chapped Reb Doiv, and he said, I want to speak to you. And Reb Godel couldn't get in to try to figure out, you know, try to like, you know, to keep them away and say, we'll get you later or I'll give you a message or whatever it is. And the cat is out of the bag. I mean, this is done. The whole story, the whole charade is over. And as the Gabai was speaking to Reb Doiv, Reb Godel overheard what he was saying, that he was telling him different areas of the job that had to be done better. The toilets have to be cleaned nicely, more nicely. The tissues have to be changed more frequently and all the different things. Do this on Monday, do this on Wednesday, do that on Thursday. And the whole time Reb Doiv is just smiling and nodding. Okay. Reb Godel, and then the Gabai leaves. Reb Godel does not know what to do with himself. After all this, for months, he was working on trying to get Reb Doiv a job to support his family and to keep his pride. What's going to be? So Reb Godel goes over to Reb Doiv after the conversation. He's a little bit ashamed and bashful, and he feels bad. Like, what did he do? So Reb Godel looks to Reb Doiv. He says, Reb Doiv, what did the Gabai say to you? Bracing himself for the response. Reb Godel is quiet and Abdoiv looks at him and smiles. He says, I have no idea. I don't speak a word of French. <laughs> <laughs> so Reb Godel continued and for the, I don't know how long it went on. 
but he had it. Hakadosh Baruch Hu Ritzoyin Rav Hashem saw that Rav Brother was trying to keep his to keep his chashivas and his prestige intact. He was Yaitse, He was Makayim and Hakadosh Baruch Hu helped him that he was able to do that. If a person really wants to do chesed, he'll be able to, and Hashem will give him the siyata d'shmaya to be able to do it. And even when sometimes you feel like you have a hiccup, or there's some kind of, you know, a speed bump, if you really want it, Hashem will make sure that you'll be able to keep it. Now, the truth of the matter is that you could take this one step further and further in this week's parsha. So this is not just a parsha's bollock thing that I just happened to try to bring it up of that it's like my my go-to drasha. Listen to this par- the Mishnah in Perki Yavas. The Mishnah says like this. Have done as kol ha'adam lekaf zechus. You should judge every person favorably. It's a famous saying from Perki Yavis, Judge everyone favorably. Here's another Hebrew and diktuk question. The heavy done, and you should judge as kol ha'adam lekavsechus. You should judge every. What does ha'adam mean? Ha'adam means the man. The man. So I'm going to tell it to you in English and tell me what's wrong with this sentence. And you should judge every the man lekavsechus. Now forget man versus woman because. Adam is really includes everything. But every done is called Ha'adam, every the human, if you will, every man, Lekav Sukhus. What's wrong with the sentence? Well, you have a specific adjective, the, that refers to the man, but you're saying every, which is inclusive. So you're being inclusive and exclusive. All at the same time. So the sentence. Excellent. Ma- Leslie, you're hired. You're hired. We actually have an opening for uh, English uh, <laughs> literature and English studies. So you got it. <laughs> I thought I could maybe get that other position with the colo. With the colo. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. No. Oh, that's, you know what? You know, once you mentioned that, I will tell you that, you know, I was telling, I was talking to these colo rabbis. You all know about this, right? You all know you got the email and you will get the email. This is like, I can't even begin to tell you, you have no idea how many years this has been, you know, being worked on. It's, it's you, you, know, you know how it is. Anyone who is involved in anything, as I heard from a very dear friend of mine, he said, if you love, if you like hot dogs and shul, don't see how they're made. And right. the bottom line is, right? So the bottom line is that there's always challenges and issues. Um, but but you know, this, is, this is such a big milestone. The impact literally to the entire community that can be had by six new families coming like this. I mean, is, is astronomical. I mean, and literally the entire community will be uplifted with them seeing the Kolo guys and even without them seeing the Kolo guys, because as we always talk about when we, our mission as a, is to have a flame and the greater our flame is where we are, the greater light there is everywhere in the world without us realizing it. Mr. Al-Salamza used to talk about this, that because a Jew does something in America, there's an impact to some other Jew in Paris. We're all, it, it has nothing to do with knowing or seeing it. But here in the community that you see it, it's even further. And I was telling these Kolo guys, they said, you know, what's our responsibility? They're coming from Lakewood or Baltimore or Farrakh, wherever they're coming from. And like, they're not, they don't live in an out of town community. 
like St. Louis, they're not used to that. They go in, they check in, they learn, they leave. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do vis-a-vis the community? I said, you're supposed to be yourself. That's what you're supposed to do. Don't try to do this, that, or the other. Be who you are. Because mm-hmm. as a person, there, that's your job description. Your job description <laughs> is be Elio Chaim Goldstone. Be Avi Benun. Be Binyamin Tejerstein. And that's the impact. Like of Dave Lichtberg that we were talking about before. Once you mentioned that. But I'm t- this is like, this is, if you see me floating, it's because, it's not because I lost weight. It's because I'm so excited. I mean, how <laughs> I, I should lose weight too. And that should be why I'm floating. But mm-hmm. one day, anyways. Um, <laughs> Okay, what we, oh, okay, here's the thing. They have done as kol ha'adam lekapsachos. So Leslie's 100% right. Here's the question. The Sfasemis, I think, asked this question. Have you done, and you should judge as kol ha'adam lekapsachos. Every the man, it should say, have you done as kol adam lekapsachos. Judge every man lekapsachos. What's ha'adam? Says the Sfasemis, beautiful. Okay, there's two couples in this room over here. Who's married for longer? I don't know. We've only been married about 10 years. I think. 10 years, 47. huh? 47. 47. Okay, Zarkowski's. Alan Vivian? Thank you. 48 tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow 48. 48 tomorrow. Happy anniversary. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, here's the question then. Um, Alan, what's the, oh, there's something. There's day a... over 90. <laughs> <laughs> I think, there's a, <laughs> I think there's a game called Newlyweds. Isn't there a game called Newlyweds? Yes. Could be. Yes. Okay. So in this game, you have to know how well do you know your spouse. Okay. So you guys know each other for 50 years, 48 plus years. Okay. Correct. You know Correct. each other very well, right? Yes. So imagine if you have a couple, they're married for 48 plus years. Let's say they're married for 50 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're married for 50 years and the husband comes home from work and he's a little, you know, he's a little bit upset about something and he says something that he shouldn't say, which doesn't happen ever. But let's say they did. So the wife knows her husband for 50 years and knows exactly what could ruffle his feathers. So the wife feels like, you know what? I can make an assessment and a judgment of what happened and whether what he said was correct or not correct and whether it was appropriate or not appropriate and whether I could have a complaint against him for saying that, right? Because I know him better than, you know, I know him like the back of my hand, right? Agreed or disagreed? Yeah. Agreed. Says the Mishnah, that's not okay. Have he done? You should judge as kol ha'odam l'kavzachos. You have to judge every the man. You know what the Mishnah is telling us? Here's what the Mishnah is telling us. As well as you may know a person, and it could be a child of yours that you know better than he knows himself. You know him for longer than he knows himself. So I could judge him because I know him so well. Says the Mishnah, were you with them, him or her, every second of their life? Do you know every single interaction that they had? Do you know that there was a guy who said to himself, he, someone asked him, could you daven for the Yomud? Could you be the Chazen? And the person had a very nice voice, but he, he said, no, no, I'm not going to, I'm sorry. And this went on for years that this person was diving in the shul and he always said no. He always said no. 
And the Gavim is getting very frustrated with him. What's your problem? He said to him one day. What's your problem? You have a beautiful voice. And he, he got upset with the person. You're part of the Tzibor. We all have to pitch in. We all have to do this. Little did the Gavai know that one time this kid, this older person at this time, he was a 13, 14-year-old kid. And he was davening for the Amud. He thought he had a beautiful voice. And maybe his voice was changing, whatever it is. And he basically sounded like a croaking frog. And someone let him know that after he finished. And from that time on, he had a chip on his shoulder. Now, how is the Gavai supposed to know that? He's not. But that's what it means to have he done as kal ha'adam l'kav If I don't know the entirety of the person, then I can't judge him. And that's what the Mishnah is telling us. Have he done as kal ha'adam judge the whole person? Who could judge the whole person? None of us. A couple that's married for 50 years, they can't because they still don't know the whole person. They don't know every interaction that they have at work or in shul or in school or whatever it is. HaKadosh Baruch Hu could do it. Hashem knows everything. He's the one who could do it. And when the Mishnah is telling us you should judge everyone favorably, it's because you don't know the whole picture. You don't know everything about it. And that is what Balak knew. Balak knew that if you see the whole picture, there's no judging. In this week's parsha, Balak is trying to get Bilam to curse. And it's not working. Finally, Balak says, and I'm not going to pull out the Chumash now, because... I want to get to a, a couple more things. Um, and I don't want to run out of time because I have to go to Meyer soon. So here, listen what Balak says. And you're looking at it over Shabbos when you look in the Chumash. Balak says, Come, bring, I'll bring you to another spot where you'll see part <clears throat> of the Jewish nation, but not the entire nation. Why does Balak have to say that? What's the significance of seeing part of the nation but not the entirety of the nation. And the terrorists is like the old expression. Don't judge Judaism by Jews. Well, you should. You really should. But you just have to know who to choose and who not to choose. Because when you look at Chaim Kanyevsky, you look at our greatest people, the people that are on such stature, judge Judaism by them. But just because I see a wart, does that mean that the whole body is full of warts? You know, now that we have Zoom, we know what Zoom really means. See, we ha Zoom used to be something on a camera. And you used to take a picture and you used to Zoom all the way in and then you would say, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't need to see every pimple on the person's cheek, right? So I Zoom back a drop. Oh, that's a beautiful picture. You look so handsome. You look so pretty. You look so beautiful. Zoom is a beautiful invention. But you don't really want to see everything. You don't want to see the tiny dot. That's not, the, that's not what's gorgeous. What's gorgeous is Kalal Yisrael as a whole. What's gorgeous is the person as a whole. Every person has their milas, their qualities. And every person, I mean, at least I'm speaking for myself, maybe not you guys, but every person has their chesroinus. Every person has their, let's just say their challenges or the things that they struggle with. But that doesn't make them bad. That doesn't make them not good people. Balak told Bilam, I want you to be able to be successful at cursing the Jewish people. So here's what we're going to do. If you see Kalal Yisrael as a whole, as they say in Yiddish, it's umeglach. It's impossible. Because the beauty of Kalal Yisrael as a whole, you can't curse them. They don't even, it, it does, it's like a, what do they call someone that something never, it's like Teflon. 
you could give the curse of that garnish vet. It's not going to do anything because Klal Yisrael is such a beautiful nation. So Balak said, here's what we're going to do. Here's we're going to avoid that problem. Efes Kotseyu, you're going to see part of the Jewish people. If you see part of the Jewish people, sure. You could zoom in and focus and you'll find something negative. You'll find something bad that on that, the curse of Bilaam can attach and then that could destroy the Jewish nation. That's what a Mishnah means. The Havidon is called judge every the man. And that's what Balak knew. Balak knew this Mishnah, so to speak, and said, if I look at the whole picture, it's not going to work. Yeah, Zoom. Zoom. That's the bottom line. I mean, the truth is, they used to, you know, someone sent me a picture of a cartoon or something of some teachers trying to, trying to uh, utilize the advantages of Zoom in the classroom. Everyone, please mute yourselves, or I'm going to press all mute, you know? Right? It doesn't work like that in the classroom. On Zoom, you could do that. That's the my love Zoom. But to zoom in too much, to zoom in too much is not a beautiful thing. I don't know, anyone over here, artists? Who's an artist over here? Anyone paint? No? You are, Dan, you are? Wow. Okay, so you'll have to share with the Oilam, and, but you could, you could back me up on this. That, you know... I'll tell you the truth, actually. Hold on one second. Before we get to the artist thing, the Mish, the the, um, the Gemara says that Chana said, it's a Pasuk, Ain there is no artist like Hashem. You know, we have at home a rose that was like freeze-dried, and then it was like, they covered it in glass and had gold, like, you know, 14-karat gold lining around the something. Whatever, I don't know exactly how it is. I'll show it to you one time when we get back in person. Um, and people ask, like, is it real? And my kids would take it out and show us, show them that it's real by basically cracking the bottom and seeing that you see a leaf inside the glass. It's like encased in it. But the way you see that it's real is because you see that it's not exact. Nothing, because Rosh makes a rose, right? It's exactly symmetrical. No, not exactly symmetrical. Do you know that there is nothing that God made that's a box, a square box? That's why tefillin is supposed to be squared. It's a man-made thing that we're doing. It's our ice. It's our sign of our connection with Hashem. It's supposed to be squared. The square part of it is supposed to just a tradition that we have. But part of the significance is that it's a man-made thing. Right? Am I right? I think I think I mean I'm I think I'm saying something that's obvious. But the beauty of Hashem's insayarkalaikano, there's no artist like Hashem, is in those things that look like they're imperfect. You know, I don't know about you guys, but when I was younger, yeah, I know I'm still young. But when I was even younger, I used to go to uh, Ross and TJ Maxx to buy shirts. So when I was a kid, Thomas Hil- Tommy Hilfiger was a very, very hush shirt. And Tommy Hilfiger shirts, you buy them new, they cost, I don't know, $40, whatever they cost. So you go to Ross or TJ Maxx, and you find the imperfect ones. And you get it for $15, $18, or something like that. Imperfection, the beauty is in the imperfection. We're made, we're not angels. If we were angels, there would be no point of living. The beauty of a human being, the beauty of a person who's a growing person is their imperfections. Just like the beauty in the flower is the fact that the lines are not exactly right. But I think actually, and Dan, you'll tell me if I'm wrong, but I think I'm not an artist, but I think that when you see a painting, the way you know that it's beautiful is actually from the imperfections 
that's what brings it out and it makes the whole picture the beautiful picture if you zoom in to one portion of the painting it looks just like a dab of paint it doesn't have that beauty dan am i right yes i'm right okay great i like being right i'll tell you the truth the truth of the matter is and i'll i'll, I'll uh, tell you one more thing i did have another thing to say about the parasha but once we're talking about imperfection there's an interesting balshemtiv that actually maybe that's why ain't Kenu. Just a similar idea. Hashem, Hashem split the Yamsuf. And by Hashem splitting the Yamsuf, he split the Red Sea. That was like, oh, wow, look what Hashem did. So there was an analogy that the, I think, <coughs> said this, that there was a fellow who made a horse. He designed a horse with some, I don't know what, what material he used, but he made a fake horse and he set it up in the city square and the town square. And he was very, very, very disappointed when no one said anything to him. He worked for hours and days and months on this, and people walked by the horse, not giving it a second glance. He turns to his friend and he says, I, I don't understand. I made this beautiful piece of art, and no one says anything to me? No one says, wow, what a beautiful piece of work you did? And his friend says to him, do you know why they're not saying anything to you? It's because, not because you didn't do a good job, but because you did a fantastic job. Because your horse looks real. So people think, now, now I'm not talking about a horse in St. Louis, I'm talking about a horse back in, in the shtetl in Poland, in Lithuania, whatever it is, where horses were commonplace. Your horse looks so real that no one's looking, no one's giving it a second glance because a horse is a horse. Why am I, I'm, I'm not like, you know what I mean? It's not like you're driving on the 70. And like you see cows, 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 you know, cows are cows. How many times do we see cows on the side, right? It's not that interesting. So the friend told him, cut the horse in half and then see what happens. And when he cut it in half, everyone said, ah, wow, look what you did. We're sometimes blinded by nature and think, oh, this is just what nature is. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu split the sea to show, no, no, no. I'm the one who made the sea. I'm the one who caused that beauty. That's the beauty of the creation. So, <clears throat> okay, let's just, um, let's, okay, I, I um, okay, one more thing, one more thing, and then I'm going to, um, Okay, no, not one more thing. Let's just review because I don't want to, I'd rather not. You know what? It's better to, I told you, I say this many times. I heard this from somebody that the, the, uh, the, the more a person speaks in public, the more they have to learn how to take away things from what they were planning on saying. Mm -hmm. Because when you try to, it's like, you know what it's like? And the women in, this, in the room will understand this. If you're baking a cake and it says bake it for 350, you know, for 45 minutes. You can't say, well, you know what? I'll just bake it at 550 for 30 minutes and then I'll just have a good cake. Right? It doesn't work like that. It has to be, right? Right. Well, I know that. I mean, the truth is, yeah, it doesn't, right? Leslie, you tried it. I know. On the grill, if you have a steak that you want it to be a certain texture, if you put it on there, guys, right? You can't just say, you know what? I'm in a rush. Let me just, I'll burn the outside. So instead of telling you something that's going to be on the fly, I'll just uh, review it, but basically by saying these two points. Number one, 
Avas Chinam, unwarranted love is incorrect. It's Avas Yisrael, it's loving every Jew. That's the opposite of Sinas Chinam, of unwarranted hatred. The story of Rabdoi Friedberg, Rabdoi Lichtberg, rather, and of Godel Eisner, that the chesed that we have to do is such that not only are we giving the person the ability to support his family, but it's with dignity. It's with his pride, whatever his pride needs, whatever it dictates, whatever he needs for himself. And when we want to do it enough, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will help us that when things seem to go sour or we seem to have lost that opportunity, Hashem will save us, that he's not going to speak French and he's not going to lose that opportunity. And that's what Bahaf Tolerach HaKamaycha, Balak, as the Ayyav Yisrael says, stand for Bahaf Tolerach HaKamaycha, because yes, it's two, two letters off, but so what? Love a fellow Yid, regardless of whether it's one or two letters off or three letters off or even more. And the way to come to love a fellow Jew or to avoid that which sometimes causes us to not love is to be done How do we judge people favorably by understanding that if we see the whole person, we understand the whole picture, of course, it's a beautiful picture. He's a yid, he's a kalal Yisrael with all the beauty that comes along with it. Balak understood this and he said, look at the portion of kalal Yisrael and then you'll be able to curse them. But if we look at the whole picture and we get everything in and understand all the variables, Hashem will help us that we will not judge unfavorably, we will judge favorably, and we will have complete achtas and unity in to the ultimate redemption in the hair of the Amen, which will happen speedily in our days. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. When are you coming back? Monday, Monday.